Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good morning, everyone. I wonder if it's snowing in your neck of the woods because it's definitely coming down here. Um, we have here in New Brunswick, New Jersey, an absolute blizzard happening. So um, my guest and I, Audrey Washington, were just talking about the the idea that it's 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 a good thing and a bad thing. Bad thing because of course, not everybody likes to be snowed in. But the good thing is that. Um, when you're snowed in, you get an opportunity to sit around and listen to uh, the radio and online uh, radio uh, programs like Reveal Your Excellence with the on-camera coach Renee Ellison. And uh, today would be a great day to do that. So the question that I have for you today is how are your New Year's resolutions and commitments coming along? I have to honestly say that I'm doing pretty well. Now, I know it's only January 23rd, and we have um, another 11 months to go, um, but so far, so good. I'm sticking to the plan. How's your resolutions coming along? I know a lot of us commit to financial resolutions, either saving money, buying a house, um, investing in uh, stocks and bonds, um, you know, a lot of things uh, around money. So today, what I wanted to do is bring to you a financial fitness expert. Her name is Audrey Washington. She is from the Bronx, New York. She is founder and CEO of Fiercely Financial Coaching, a division of Washington Consulting Group. And she's going to talk to us a little bit today about our finances how to get them in order, how to keep them in order. And um, I think it's going to be a really exciting show. So if you are interested in talking to Audrey today about your finances, or if you have any questions about your finances, she's definitely the lady to talk to. Get on the line. I'm going to give you the number right now. Take it down. It's 646-716-9397. I'll give it to you again. 646 716-9397. Now, you may need to press one to get into this show, okay? So, um, hopefully, if you're interested in talking to Audrey today, uh, you'll be able to uh, get get into the show and ask her some pretty interesting and um, life-changing questions. Um, In the meantime, before we get to uh, the interview with Audrey, I just want to let you know about some shows that are coming up on Life Coach Radio Network this month. Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda will be airing on Tuesday, the 26th at 12 p.m. What a great topic for this kind of uh, time of the year because we are making those resolutions. We are making those um, personal commitments to ourselves to make um, significant changes and improvements and transitions in our lives. So Coach Linda will be uh, bringing that show on Tuesday, the 26th. On Wednesday, the 27th, Your Best Life with Jan Jaffe. She's going to be interviewing Marnie Batista. Now, Marnie Batista, if you don't already know, is a very high-powered um, coach, a life coach. Uh, she has a tremendous following. Um, she's an iPad coach like myself and has done tremendous work in the industry. And Jan Jaffe is going to have her on the show Wednesday, the 27th. And then in two weeks, just wanted to give you a heads up, Reveal Your Excellence is going to be interviewing Janice Karstens. And Janice Karstens is going to be talking about self-care and self-love and how they complement each other. We thought that would be a really fitting um, topic for Valentine's Day, and that's going to be on the 13th, uh, which is uh, two Saturdays from now. All right, let's get to our 
phenomenal interview with the talented and uh, intelligent Audrey Washington. Just want to give you a little bit of a background on Audrey before she starts talking so that you know that this lady has really dedicated a lot of time, energy, talent um, to helping people get financially fit. She's a housing certified housing counselor, certified as a home buyer educator, a foreclosure intervention and default counselor. I didn't even know you could get certified in all those different things, but Audrey definitely holds those certifications. Most importantly, she is the founder and CEO of Fiercely Financial Coaching, which is a division of her consulting company that's called Washington Consulting Group. And she is definitely dedicated to helping companies and individuals become and remain financially fit. Without any further ado, Audrey Washington. Hi, Audrey. Good morning, Renee. Good morning, everyone who's listening. I am so happy to be here. I thank you, Renee, so much for this opportunity. Well, you, you have to thank your brother, right? Because he, yes. he was the one. He was the one who was listening to my interview with Tina Bristow uh, a few years, a few weeks back, rather. And he recommended you because of this incredible um, service that you provide through your organization. And um, because of a lot of the uh, interesting things that you have going on with your company. So um, let's thank your brother for making the introduction. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So I do have to give a shout out to my brother, Seth Washington, who is ever supportive. He is in the uh, D.C., Maryland area, and he is actually a poet and MC and spoken word artist extraordinaire in his own right. So I do thank him uh, very much for connecting us together um, to give uh, us the opportunity to talk and to share. And just um, and just to let everybody know, uh, Seth Washington, who is Audrey's brother, is also um, a, a doing a radio show I, I saw um, in one of your emails. Is that correct? Uh, or, yeah, or, um, I think he's kind of um, put that slightly on hold, but we're hoping that that okay. will come up and it actually would be a Facebook uh, chat, but live. But okay. yeah, so um, okay. we're hoping that he'll revisit that um, and launch that um, sometime this year. But right now awesome. he's kind of uh, shifted that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Thank you okay. For mentioning it. Mm-hmm. No, no problem. No problem at all. So, Audrey, tell me, um, how did your business get started? Your financial fitness business. Yeah, so I think my company overall um, got started when, in 2004, I was laid off. Um, I was working a great job. I enjoyed the work, um, enjoyed, um, you know, what I was doing and being able to help others, um, also in the space of uh, homeownership and financial education, helping people reach their goals in those areas. And so I was laid off, and um, my goal was really to just find another job in 30 days. That that was like my mantra, i got to find a job in 30 days. And so um, it, what happened was I started job hunting pretty aggressively, and I wasn't getting any hits on my resume, no calls for interviews, anything like that. But what was happening were colleagues were reaching out to me to do consulting work, or they were um, connecting me with other, you know, contacts for consulting work. And so the consulting work just really started to to come to me. And a couple of times over the course of that year in 2004, I started feeling um, God speak to me and say, you know, start your own company. And each time I said no. You know, I'm like, I, I just really had no desire to start my own business. So I kept, you know, going through this, the motions of, you know, aggressively looking for work. Um, again, work just was not coming. No, no one was calling me, but the consulting work continued to fall into my lap. So at the beginning of 2005, January actually, so uh, we're actually in our 11th year, I decided to just, you know, take a leap of faith and to start Washington Consulting Group. And quite frankly, I really have never looked back from it. We have just been very fortunate to have um, clients that continue to be with us. I mean, the clients that I've had since 
2005. I have many of them that still I work with even now. And so that's really a blessing. And all of my clients actually refer me to other people. So that has been consistent. So I am grateful um, that we've been able to um, thrive. Um, you know, especially during the financial crisis, you know, we've been able to to stay, you know, stay um, very productive, stay, um, you know, uh, uh, stable, and so I'm really grateful for that. And so that's really how we started. That's really an inspirational story for anyone who's mm-hmm. listening who might be in a job that they like, but. Um, don't necessarily feel like it's their their passion. Um, I know a lot. Of, I talk to a lot of people who who are in that situation, and um, a lot of times you're a little bit nervous about getting the consulting um, started or your business started. But you know, your gifts will make room for you. It's true. And that's what it sounds like it happened for you, Audrey, that your gifts made room for you. And for 10 years, almost 11 years now, you've been um, thriving and, um, and soaring with your business. What do you think is the key to your success? I think, you know, I, I believe that one, um, I'm just blessed. You know, let me start with that. So I feel mm-hmm. like, yes, I have certain skills. I have certain uh, talents. Um, you know, I have certain contacts and relationships. But I feel like the, the starting point is that I'm just extremely blessed. Um, the second thing I feel like is because I had such um, a strong reputation in my work, um, so like I said, again, the way I started was that people that were colleagues of mine just can you know continue to call me um uh for work and refer me for work and so part of that too is you know your professional reputation it is you know for me you know making sure that you know i i stay connected with a lot of people that i was also um helpful in areas that i could be helpful to other people so i think that's the biggest thing it's that you know you know whether you you're you're working um, on a job or whether you decide that you want to shift and work for yourself. You know, it has to be about your reputation. You have to be able to deliver. You have to be a person of your word. You have to be a person of integrity. And so when that happens, people will um, be responsive to you and remember you um, when you need them. So what would you say to someone starting a business while they're unemployed? Hmm. You know, I think that when you are unemployed, while it's scary, it's frustrating, right, because your money is not the same, uh, you have responsibilities. Many people who are unemployed also uh, don't just have themselves. They, they have children. You know, they have other people that are depending on them financially. And so it, it is scary, and it's and the thought for some people to start um, their own business is, you know, they feel like they need the stability of a job. Well, you know, I kind of thought that too. So when I was laid off, I felt like, you know, I need the stability of a job and I need to find a job quickly, which was kind of ironic because I actually was laid off from a job, you know. So there, there mm-hmm. clearly I understood that, there, that that stability wasn't there. And so I think that being unemployed actually gives you an opportune time to start to think through if, a, if if your own business is something that will work for you. So you have at that point, you have time. You have time to kind of do some research and figure out, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work, um, what you're passionate about. And I, I find that a lot, too, with people. That there's some people, we're all good at, at things. We're all good at a lot of different things. But oftentimes we don't see those things um, in their earning potential, right? So if we um, do some simple thing, let's say you're like a very organized person, you're highly organized. Well, that could be a, a, a company in and of itself because there's so many people that are looking for people who can do some of that organizational work that they're not 
wanting to do. And so, you know, even as a virtual virtual assistant, that's something that you can consider. So I think it's starting to look at, take your time and do it. There's a lot of uh, free services for small businesses out there. So um, the, a lot of the small business development centers, they're all across the country, and they mm-hmm. provide free services. In fact, I just got an email about one that's affiliated with Columbia University, and they're taking their applications now to do a full-on process with people to, if, if you're trying to start a business. And those services Services are generally free or very, very low cost that you can get and start to get information about what to do um, and what to start doing first if you're considering a small business. So I definitely would encourage people um, when you're unemployed, yes, definitely look into it. You still might find that you want to, you know, just find a job, but at least you can look at that as an option. Now, I know that starting a business can sometimes require an investment. So it's important, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, to have your ducks in a row in terms of your finances. So what does it mean to have financial fitness? Well, um, well for me, um, the financial fitness part is not necessarily uh, specific to, to people starting their own business, but just overall. So whatever financial um, place you feel like you need to be at. And so, of course, financial fitness, it really is a focus on um, making sure that you are healthy in your finances and that you're getting your financial checkups. So I would always say to people that the starting point in financial fitness is education, okay? And so you want to educate yourself on what you need, um, you know, as far as being financially fit. So I would say across the board there's um, some foundational things that we all need all the time uh, to ensure our financial fitness, and that is having savings, um, having good credit, and having a plan for retirement. So these are constants in different stages of our lives. But then what happens also is those things will remain the same really across the board for everybody. But what then is going to happen is at certain points in our lives, things are going to change for us depending on where we're at. So, for instance, a recent college graduate who graduates, let's say they're 22 years old, um, they're now going to start to focus on how do I – including my budget, paying back my student loans, right? Parents with young children, they're going to start focusing possibly on buying a home so they have more space, as well as they're now starting to think about how do they save for their children's education. And then let's say someone who might be, um, you know, mid-40s, they may be navigating elder care issues with their parents. So it's important then um to have those three foundational things like savings and good credit and planning for retirement. But then it's also important to, um, if possible, every month, okay, or maybe every quarter, start to look at where you're at at that point in your life and figure out, okay, what do I need to to do differently to make sure that I I continue to be uh, financially fit. And then I would say the other thing with financial fitness is that, um, we need to be on the same page with people in our household that we're also, we're we're both making the financial decisions, right? So that also is a challenge for people because if you're in a household and two people are making financial decisions, but you're not on the same page about that, that also can be a challenge. So you do want to start to talk about you know, how do we come together and be on the same page so that we are financially fit both as individuals but both um, also in our household, so across the board. So I would say that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think also the financial fitness is when you start to think about financial fitness, you also um, a lot of times people feel like the the answer to their money issues is more money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so sometimes that is the case, right? So if you're unemployed, yes, of course, you know, you need to try to get back to the income um, that, you're, that you were used to earning or that you need to earn uh, to live properly. But for most people, what I will say is that if you are managing 
$100 well, then you're going to manage $1,000 well. If you're not managing $100 well, then you're not going to manage $1,000 well. So it, part of it, though, is mindset and how you look at it and how you, you handle your money and your, your financial um, planning that really makes the difference. That is really valuable information. So you started with the whole idea of getting these financial checkups, and really these mm-hmm. are things that you need to pay attention to yourself. Three things you mentioned that are very important to educate yourself um, and to make sure that you have savings, good credit, and retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so say, for instance, you know, the average person in America um, probably has some modicum of debt, whether it be student mm-hmm. loan debt, credit card debt. What do you think is most important, Audrey, to pay off that debt, to save, or a combination of the two? I would say definitely a combination of the two because it's so important okay. um, to, yes, manage the debt to, that you have, but it also is important that when things come up that, that you have some savings. But as well, the piece with savings, too, is 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 having that habit and that commitment to saving, right? So there's always going to be um, things that, that impact our budget where, you know, at, at a certain so for something that we all are probably uh, familiar with, you know, your car breaks down unexpectedly, and now you have to, you know, do some unexpected car repair. So, so yes, those things are going to happen, and so that may um, impact your savings. But what will happen with you is if you don't have any savings, right, then more than likely you are going to access some type of credit, and now the this repair becomes a debt, right? And so mm-hmm. as I will say, though, that debt in and of itself and having credit in and of itself, that's not a horrible thing, okay? It's not really horrible because it, it is difficult to operate in in our economy without some type of credit, right? So almost everything that, that we do, you know, it, it's somehow tied to, to you having credit. So in one way, it's not a horrible thing, but when we – we overuse it, that's when it can become challenging. So if you have debt uh, for student loans or you have debt for a mortgage or even if you have debt for, you know, for a car as long as that's reasonable, those things make sense, okay? So they kind of fall more into good credit category, right? But if you have um, a lot of debt that's tied to, you know, credit cards and, and particularly credit cards that, are maxed out, then that's when it's going to start to become problematic for you, okay? And, and, and that, then that – go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I, I guess the question would be, and that would be considered the overuse part, if you have yes. the credit cards that are maxed out. Okay. And continue, right, please. Right. Okay. And then what I would say, um, let me also go back to the credit cards that are, are maxed out or have like a high balance. So some people – are of the mindset, well, I'm going to use my credit cards, um, but I, I pay them off every month. Okay, so that's great. And and a lot of people will use their credit cards for a lot of things, you know, groceries and, and you know, just various things, maybe even paying utilities with the thought of, you know, earning points. That, that's become like a big thing. You know, I need to earn points so that I, you know, can access those points for, for other things. Okay, but their, their thought is that, you know, I'm paying off my debt, um, my credit cards in full every month, which which is which is a good thing. But what happens is that for some people that can still impact their credit score because you don't know um, at what point in time the credit card company is reporting that to the credit bureaus, right? So, for example, um, if you have a situation where you really you know kind of get your credit cards close to the limit. And so let's say you decide I'm going to pay off my credit cards at the on the 30th of every month. But if your credit card company is reporting that on the 25th of every month, then that means that every month you're showing a huge balance on your credit card. And that mm. will impact your credit score. And people don't realize it because in their mind they're thinking by the end of every month I'm paying this off 
but you don't know when the credit card company is reporting that debt. So if they're reporting okay, gotcha. it before you pay it off, then you are actually, even though you actually are fiscally responsible on, on that credit report, though, and where the score is concerned, you're going to show um, not so good in that in that area. So you talked about high balances. Now, does mm-hmm. a balance, a high balance, does that uh, depend on how much income you have or how much you're able to spend on paying off your credit cards month, monthly? Uh, what 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 determines a high balance? Well, typically, um, when a credit credit card company is is determining what um, well, let me go back. So one thing is the limit, right? So you have a limit that, that the credit card company gives you that says this is what you have available to spend. And then right. the balance part is what you are spending. And so, yes, you know, on average, um, as far as that particular item on your that impacts your credit score, which is how much debt you're carrying, they want to see not really more than maybe 30 to 35% usage of the available credit you have. So uh, for um, in, in real simple, if you have a credit card with a limit of $1,000, you don't want to have carry a balance of more than like 300 to 350 on that card. So if you start to get to where that balance is, let's say, you know, $700, then in that particular component of the credit score calculation, you're going to, um, it's going to bring your score down. That is really interesting. I have never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have never heard that um, kind of information before. And, I mean, I've watched all kinds of Susie Orman shows, all kinds of things on Oprah and this and that. That is really good information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and and I, would, I would go back to just in the credit score, and we don't have to walk through all of them, but there are five things that make up your credit score. And the two okay. highest things are 35% of your score is based on how you pay, right? So how you pay your bills. So if you're paying your, your credit cards on time like they're supposed to be, then you're going to score high there. And the second highest, 30%, is how much debt you're carrying. Okay, so those right there, that's already 65% of of your credit score is are, is based on those two things. Okay, and then and then what would be the rest? I'm just curious. Sure. Um, how long you've had credit is 15%. Um, the types of credit that you have. So do you have a mixture? You have some credit cards. You have some loans. Um, what's the mix? That's ten percent. And then new credit. So that's ten percent. So the new credit is more like if you are getting um, a lot of inquiries. So you have a lot of people checking your credit. Um, that's ten percent. So that that the inquiries fall into that category. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. That's good to know. Audrey. Now, we talked a little bit about financial fitness. Now, what are what are maybe five things that people can do to become financially fit? I know we talked about educating yourself, um, the savings, good credit, retirement, keeping your debt um, under control. Mm-hmm. Any other things that we missed? Well, I think that um, one of the things that I will say um, as part of your financial fitness checkup is get a copy of your credit report every year. Okay. Okay, so just like, you know, um, health professionals will tell us that, you know, there's certain checkups that we need to do annually, and they kind of say, do it on your birthday so you remember, right, although that might be a downer for your birthday, right, if you have to go get your checkups uh, <laughs> at that time. But they say it because you'll remember, right, you know, it's my birthday, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of a similar concept. And so what I would say is definitely for people um, as far part as being financially fit, you need to get a copy of your credit report. And you can do that for free every year, um, so every 12 months. So it doesn't have to be a calendar year, so it's um, free every 12 months from all three credit bureaus from annualcreditreport.com, okay? And so that's not the free creditreport.com that you hear um, advertised on TV. This is annualcreditreport.com. This actually um, was set up by the federal government, probably going back close to – close to maybe eight years or so, 
um, in response really to identity theft. So people were having a lot of identity theft challenges, and what the government felt is that they were having those challenges because they were not checking their credit reports on a regular basis. And so that kind of started with there. So you are still getting them from the three major credit bureaus, but it will go. you can go through this portal and get it for free, okay? So it's just your credit report it's for free. Now, there is a nominal fee if you want to actually get your score in addition to that, but you don't have to get the score, okay? If you want the score, that's fine, but the, the free part is just getting your credit history, getting your credit report. And you can do that. Um, you can go onto the portal um, online. You can get it online. You can get it um you can send a, a paper in. There's a form that you can fill out to send in uh, to get it by mail, or you can ask for it by phone. Interesting. Okay, and so, okay, so that's- going back to the things that you should do. So that's one of the things that I would suggest everyone to do. And then, so get, as well, get your get your credit report. Make get sure you your have credit that. report every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the things when you talk about what time of year is optimum, so maybe you do that every January. You do that. Or at the time that you file your tax return, you might decide to do it then. So that's like your whole financial thing at that point. So you might do it mm-hmm. then, but you want to do it every year. Um, okay. You also need to try to track our spending. So one of the things that happens often is people really have no idea what they're spending their money on and how much they are. They just realize that, you know, at pay, when it's getting close to payday, they're having some challenges. So you want to track your spending, okay? So track your spending, and um, if you can do that for 30 days, that actually will help you to be able to uh, create a spending plan for yourself and review that every month. Um the other thing that I wanted so, to so before, say, before, before, mm-hmm. you, before you get to the next thing, Audrey, just question for you. Any practical tips on how to track your spending? I know that um, online banking is really good because it gives you a list of all of your debit card purchases and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But any any tips, I mean, would you say write it down in an Excel spreadsheet or mm-hmm. are there any kind of programs or anything out there that help you do that? Well, there are some um, good points. So we're obviously in the age of technology. So there are some good, um, there are some simple apps that are out there that you can just set up, you know, um, lunch or you can put in, you know, um, clothes or, you know, things. You can set up some categories and then you can plug those in. Now, some of them are also, you can tie them to your, your bank account, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. But to be honest, very simply, just get a, a little pad and write down your what you're spending every day. Just pull mm-hmm. it out, write it down. You know, spent, you know, gum, you know, a dollar, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But it needs to be everything, okay? So sometimes we might think, oh, you know, that's, that was less than a dollar or that was less than $5. No, it needs to be everything. So even if you are, um, you know, when people come up to you and, you you know, you give them a couple of dollars or give them some change, try to be really detailed and really specific about tracking that. Um, and so however you do it, either, um, you know, by hand, you know, just writing it down or on an a app tracker, but try to write it down because if you don't, you won't really have a clear understanding of where your money is really going. And and that's the thing. Oftentimes, and I would say, um, I guess I'm going to ask you, Renee, when people track their spending, what do you think is the biggest, like, wow, I'm spending that much? What do you think maybe, the biggest item is? Maybe probably eating out. Yes. On food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing because people put food, of course, in a category of need, right? But how Mm -hmm. we get food is different. So, you know, eating out every day versus, um, you know, bringing bringing your, you know, eating at home, that's going to be a big difference. And what happens also with food is that if we get, you know, a coffee and and a bagel in the morning, that may only be, you know, $2, right, or maybe it's $3. But if you multiply that, you know, let's say that's $2 every day for breakfast, 
then that's five days a week, so that's going to be $10. And that's just mm-hmm. breakfast. So if you're also eating out at lunchtime and then you're eating out again at dinner, imagine how much money you're spending on food. Plus the fact that when you buy a dozen or half a dozen bagels at the you know bakery or the supermarket, Mm-hmm. It's just as much as buying one bagel and a cup of coffee at, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or some other fast food place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and I would Those say to tips. people because financially fit, of course, just like when we're starting to focus on being physically fit, right, the first thing mm-hmm. um, comes to our minds is, you know, I can't have. Right? I can't have this. I can't do this. And so one of the things that I would say to people is being financially fit doesn't mean that you can never buy the things that you want or do the things that you enjoy. But, for instance, if you decide you want to take a vacation, then what you're doing to be financially fit is you're making a plan to save for the cost of the vacation versus using your credit cards to pay for it. And as as well, simply like with eating out. So if you eat out every night, instead of doing that every night, try to make that two nights a week. So you still are enjoying it, but not as much as doing it every night. Okay? So that's that's the thing. People have to realize that you can still enjoy life. You can still have fun. But you're trying to do it in a way that makes you more uh, fiscally responsible so that you don't work against yourself. So it's really the old adage, all good things in moderation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if you are if you are listening to uh, Audrey and and me right now, please uh, get on the line. Ask us um, any questions that you might have. Ask Audrey any questions that you might have about financial fitness. The number is six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. Again, that's six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. You may need to press one to get into the show. Um, all right, Audrey, what else do you have for us? Um, the other thing I would I would say about being financially fit um, as it relates to savings. So oftentimes we hear our financial experts say that we need to have, say, six months of expenses, right? So that means yeah. if you take all of your expenses for one month, you need to multiply that by six, and that should be what's in your in your bank account. Now, for most people, that's such a huge number that when when someone says it, they just feel like that's impossible, and so Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to do anything. And so what I try to tell people is break that down smaller, okay? So what is everybody's biggest expense every month? What's your biggest biggest expense? My biggest expense is is my uh, apartment rent. Absolutely. Okay, so rent rent or mortgage or... mm -hmm. For everybody, that's going to be your biggest expense. So to break it down small, try to get one month's rent or one month's mortgage payment saved for that. So if your rent is, you know, $1,600, then your goal should be trying to save $1,600. That's a start. Right? right, because let's say something happened, and that's your. If you have that in the bank, you know that you have a little cushion at least for a month. And once you get one month rent or mortgage payment in the bank, then you start for month two, and you go on that way. So that means you're doing something. No, you might not have that full six months rent that the financial planners say you should have. And again, I'm not saying that that's not something to strive for, but what I am saying for most people. It seems impossible, and so right. when so you need to break that goal down smaller. And okay. it also feels it feels really overwhelming too. Yeah. And and it's just like saying, okay, I, I'm overweight. I'm going to lose 150 pounds. Right. That is a lot of weight to say you're going to lose, even though you may want to lose it, you may need to lose it. Um, mm-hmm. But when the experts say when you break it down into small goals, it becomes more manageable, it becomes more doable, it Absolutely. becomes less overwhelming. 
Yep. Right. Good. That's and great, it becomes Audrey. more sustainable. That's the thing. It becomes more mm. sustainable. You know, if you feel like, you know, I can, my goal is, you know, saving $1,600, then you, you kind of have in your mind where, yeah, I can, I can do that and I can do it. And once I get there, I can, I, I won't touch it. You know, it, it becomes a sustainable thing. It's something that you can um, do and, and stay committed to. That's great. That's great. And um, what mistakes do you think people make with their money? I mean, we talked about getting into too much debt, um, the the bad kind of debt. <laughs> what other kind of mistakes do people make? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you, and I, I have some some other thoughts when, when you pose that question to me, um, but I'm going to tell you what my real thought is. My real thought tell is, that we don't talk enough about money and finance with our family and friends. Mm-hmm. Because it ain't nobody else's business, right? Right. That's what we think. You know? Right. It's mm-hmm. private. It's personal. And so we that is one thing, that if we can do better, making this conversation more part of our social um, and family circles, that we will be better off. So, for instance, um, we talk a lot, and, and I do it myself, so I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. But if we go to a fabulous restaurant, we, we share that news with everybody. Mm-hmm. If we see a great movie, we share that news with everybody. And so we want to get to the same place where these conversations are not taboo, right? So I don't want to get in their business. I don't want them in my business. It's not that, but a simple thing, just like um, when we broke down the whole credit score piece and how that's calculated. Right. That, that, has, that has been out for years. And right. still today, many people don't know what that's about. And so it could be a simple thing where we we say, you know what, um, I would, you know, listen to someone or I got some information and, you know, just want to make sure everybody knows, shoot an email out. This is how your credit score is calculated. It gives people information. This is where you can get your free credit report every 12 months. It gives people, and you can do that without asking anybody what their credit score is, how much debt they have, or anything like that. So we have to start to share more information. I know for me, um, at our family reunions every year, I'll do a little short segment on something financial, and I've done Understanding credit, I've talked about foreclosures, how to, you know, prevent foreclosures. I've talked about, um, you know, needing renter's insurance, having renter's insurance, the importance of that. So all of those different things, those are the times that we can put the information out. It doesn't put anyone on the spot, but it puts information out, and it helps people to start to think about their money and finance. Because... Honestly, you know, what's the number one thing that people want more of? They want more love. They want, you know, more more money. You know, mm-hmm. people want to be um, more established. They want to be more wealthy. Um, no matter no matter who you are in in whatever walk of life, there's always that desire to grow. Um, financially, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that might not be a hundred percent of the population, but it's a very good portion. And when you're thinking about the fact that you want to grow financially, why not make it part of your conversation? Why not make mm-hmm. it part of the dialogue? Mm-hmm. That's very, that's very good, Audrey. That's that's really important, you know. And and to and to not have it be such a private um, conversation just with yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many no, simple ahead, ways please. you could do it. So, like, so many of us are, are in book clubs, right? And so right. why not one month let the book club topic be a book about money? And so that helps to open the discussion. There's also um, something you can also establish, like, money clubs where you might do that with your, your family and friends where – once a month or, or even quarterly, you have somebody come in and talk about, you know, a particular uh, financial topic, or you just talk amongst yourselves. You know, someone does some research and you talk through a financial topic. So we have those are some simple kind of um, 
you know, less formal ways that we can do it, and it's still, you know, uh, fun, it's still social, but we're kind of making a shift where we're not just, you know, talking about a fun book, um, which is great, too, but we're talking about a book that might have um, a financial education component to it. So I think that's important. I I also, you know, I I did... um, as I sit with, with people and, and coach them and, and help them through, you know, trying to buy a, their first home or even people that I work with um, who are, their homes are in foreclosure, you know, I see two common things. It's either lack of information or wrong information. Hmm. And I'm always concerned by that because people don't know where to go oftentimes to get information that they need, or if they get information, it's not the right information for them. Interesting. So what you're saying is that it's really important to open your mind to what kind of um, financial uh, materials are out there that Mm -hmm, might mm -hmm. give you the kind of insight that you need about buying your first home, about buying your second home. You know, yes. um, I, I, just to speak personally, I owned a home for about 10 years, um, but when the economy changed a little bit, I, I felt really overwhelmed as a homeowner mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Wanted to, and wanted to sell it. I sell it. I sold it for a profit, which was really nice in that day and time because at that time, people, a lot of people were foreclosing, and I was very fortunate not to foreclose, but I'm mm-hmm. at a point right now where I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I might want to get a condo. Maybe I might mm-hmm. want to get a townhome. Um, mm-hmm. How do I how do I go about making that happen? And it's it's professionals like you, Audrey, that can coach people through those times in their life, and they can feel like they're making good decisions because they have the support that they need through a financial coach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I will add to that too is that one of the other things that we can do right now, if we Mm -hmm. have children or we are around children, start to talk to our children about money. Do it now. That's great. And so with children, I say, you know, because sometimes you feel like, well, what's the age, you know, what's what's the best age, you know, to start? So as soon as they go in the store with you and start pointing at stuff that they want, <laughs> That's when you start doing it. That's the conversation, Audrey. Yeah, I, I have a we have a caller on the line. Let's go yes. to um, our caller nine zero eight number. Hello, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hello, are you there, nine zero eight caller? Press one to get through to the show. Hello, are you there? I guess, unfortunately, she can't Not hear yet. us. And, and okay. We can't hear her. We'll keep, okay. her on the, we'll keep her alive on the line just in case she's able to get through. Um, okay. But any, but anyway, Audrey, so we were talking a little bit. I touched on it just, um, just briefly, the whole mm-hmm. idea and your opinion on investing. Can you tell me sure. a little bit about what you think about investing? Yeah, so... Um, so what I will say, um, just just as a as a starting point, is um, I don't focus on investing in my coaching. So my coaching focus around helping you with your money mindset, helping you to kind of tie down um, your financial goals, um, more around dealing with you know budget and, and credit and savings and dealing with your debt. However, mm-hmm. because people who I work with are are wanting to also have financial goals that deal with retirement, you know, what I will say is we all have to um, begin talking, thinking about our retirement. And you want to do it as young as possible. So I um, uh, teach a class at a college. It's a personal finance management course. And, Mm -hmm. of course, my students, they're freshmen, and so they're, you know, around 18, 19 years old. And, you know, when I ask the question, you know, who's thinking about retirement, of course, none of them raise their hand, right? <laughs> I can because just imagine think, that one. And, and, in fact, some of them, I said, well, okay, when do you think you should start thinking about that? You know, and I heard 40, 50, you know, and I'm like, 
Oh, okay. And so it, it provided an opportunity, certainly, uh, you know, to give them information. But we all need to be thinking about that. Do it as young as you can. You know, as soon as you start to, if you're 20, if you're, you know, 22, you're on your first job, they, they come to you about the retirement, uh, signing up for the retirement. And, and, of course, at that age, all you're thinking about is I want to have all my money, right, as, as much as my money as I can. And so I can't do anything about the taxes that they take out. So I'm certainly not going to volunteer to, to have them take money. And so, but because they they don't see that as, that's that's still your money, but it's money for you for later, then there's a disconnect about retirement. But I will say try to do it as young as possible. But if you get to a point where, let's say you've had some missteps, or a lot of people through the financial crisis um, lost a lot of their retirement investment, right? And so maybe you're not at where you need to be, but start anyway. So some people think, well, even if I save and all I can save, you know, is $50,000, that's not really anything. Okay, but is it better than zero? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you have we, to think about. Mm-hmm. We have another caller on the line, 718 okay. caller. Are you there? 718 caller, are you there? Hello, this is Renee and Audrey. Are you on the line? Try this caller. We have a lot of calls coming in. Hello, this is Renee and Audrey. Are you there? Yes. Yes, hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and yourself? I'm doing well. Did you have a question for Audrey? I do have a question. Um, My name is Gertie, and I think that she answered one of my questions having to do with the age of children uh, that you should begin talking to them about financial matters. Um, and so my next question is, how do you handle charitable donations? Because I love giving to charity, but of course I realize I cannot give to all the ones that I would like to. So how would I um, decide that? Thank you for your question, Gertie. What do you think, Audrey? Okay. Well, good morning. Um, okay, so let me cycle back because I'm not sure with the age of children, um, let me just make sure I add to that. So there's a lot of um, age-appropriate financial education information online that you can access for children, okay? So if they're, they have it, you know, like um, preschool age, kindergarten, and then they have all the way up to high school. So you do have an opportunity to do that at the point, and a lot of it is it's kind of like cartoon, kind of game focus that will keep them engaged. So that's the first thing. Okay. As far as charitable donations, um, of course you want to make sure um, that you access the tax benefit of those donations so that you are getting your receipts from the charity. And I think, um, you know, what you have to look at is, you know, what is your ability to to give to those uh, charitable uh, organizations. Um, You have to figure out, you know, how that impact and and plan for that, right? So if that's going to be something that you uh, desire to do, you want to include that as part of your budget. And and that's that's an important uh, question and point that I want to share, that oftentimes when we're thinking about our, our budgets or our spending plans, we focus solely on um, those things that are required for us to pay. So, for instance, you know, our, our rent payment and our utilities and our credit card bills. But we also have to include as part of our budget the things that we feel like we want to do. So just like what you're talking about, if you give to charities, you have to put that in your budget so so that okay. you're not trying to figure out, oh, what happened? Well, you gave, you know, $200 to the charities this month, and you didn't put that in your budget. So you want to make sure you identify that. Same thing with many people who, um, you know, believe in tithing and, and are tithers. Yes, so that's not you know that's something that it's not a it's not a bill, but it is something that you've committed to. So you want to put that in your budget. And as well, if you are committed to giving money to family members, so some people are giving money to you know um, older uh, grandparents, you know, on a regular basis. Then again, it's not a bill, but it is something that it's a financial commitment that you make, and you want to put it in your budget. 
Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much, okay. Audrey. And Gertie, okay, thank, thank you, you so calling. much for calling. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. And then we have another caller, 718 caller. Are you there? 718 caller, are you there? This is Renee and Audrey. Okay. Let's see if we can get this caller on the line. Hello, this is Renee and Audrey. Are you there? Hello? Yes, hello. This is Renee and Audrey. Did you have a question for Audrey today? Hi, how are you? This is Kenise calling. Hi, Kenise. What's your question? My question was, what are some of the apps that we can use on our phone to help track spending? Uh, especially in the, I guess, the 25 to 35 generation, you know, we're on the go and everything's on a smartphone. So I don't know if there is maybe one or two apps that are more reputable than others or more accurate. Are you there, Audrey? Audrey, are you there? I am. Yes, I got disconnected okay. somehow when when you went to the last <laughs> caller. Okay, I okay, apologize. Okay. It just went off. Uh huh. Okay. That's all right. Um, she was asking about apps. If if you could give her an idea of what apps might be available to track her spending. Mm, okay. Um, I know one is. Um, and hi. Good morning. I'm sorry. I just got. Disconnected. I know one um, is Spending Tracker. Um, that's one that I've kind of um, uh, looked at as far as maybe one that's pretty easy to use. I, I do think, though, you have to just kind of um, Google those and and see which ones work for iPhones, work which ones work for Android, and, again, try to maybe get the simplest version, like I said, that some of them – um, allow you to link with your checking accounts or your savings account. Some of them don't um, have you link with that at all. As well, some of them um, are free. A lot of them are free, but there's some that have like a monthly cost. So, um, like I said, spending um, tracker is one um, that I've looked at, and that one is is free. And I find it pretty. I'm not a techie, so I'm always looking for what's uh, pretty easy to to. Um, to access and, 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 you know, and use. And so I find that one is, is pretty good. Does that answer your question, Kenise? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. And thank you oh, for calling morning. here. Have a great day. <laughs> good morning. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, Audrey, we had a nice uh, little uh, busy uh, string of callers there toward the end of the show. So I'm so glad that you had an opportunity to be on the show today and to share all of your wisdom and all of your insight with our callers. If you could please let us know how do we reach you. Sure. Okay. And so thank you again, Renee, for having um, me. And thank you so much, everyone who's listening and the callers who called in. Um, yes, I can be reached. Um, our website is fiercelyfinancial.com. Um, my email, our email is coaching at fiercelyfinancial.com. Uh, we have several programs that uh, we can work with you on if you're interested in financial coaching. And as well, um, we offer our financial fitness program, which is called Workplace Financial Fitness, um, to employers for their employees. And lastly, what I will say is if you um, email us at coaching at fiercelyfinancial.com for listening today, we will send you out our free uh, financial goals worksheet and our financial fitness mantra, which you can use to get started with your financial fitness plan for 2016. That's fantastic. And can you share your mantra with me? Oh, you're going to ask me that, and I didn't. I can't, I can't share it right now. I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's okay. I don't have to and I can put it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Audrey, because you know what? This is actually not going to be the end. As I was um, as I was listening to you respond to my questions, I thought, you know, you would be a phenomenal guest for my TV show. And okay. um, I would love to be able to offer you a segment at some point, and we'll talk about that. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> offline. Um, okay. And maybe, and maybe you can share your mantra on the show, okay? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Audrey, thank you so much for being with me today. It was such a pleasure. Renee, thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, and just um, do do what you can to become financially fit. Take some small steps, and you'll get there. Oh, that's great advice. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye now. And that was Audrey Washington, everyone. She left us with some really amazing, amazing information um, that I feel um, would be so helpful and so beneficial to so many people. Um, educating yourself, you know, making sure that you have a savings, good credit, retirement. She also talked about the importance of getting your credit report, um, tracking your spending. She even shared with Kenise, um that um, really awesome app. I think she forgot what she called it, but um, Google it and uh, just Google um, tracking spending apps and you should be able to come up with something um, really beneficial for yourself. Remember that you can reach Audrey at coaching at fiercelyfinancial.com. And in two weeks, I'm going to be back with uh, life coach Janice Karstens, and we're going to be talking about self-care and how it complements self-love. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for all the calls today and, um, you know, just for the opportunity to serve in this way. Um, If you're in the snow, I hope you stay dry and um, have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend. Signing off.